In the spring of 1939, during the build-up to war with Germany, the British government commissioned a series of propaganda posters. These posters were intended to offer the public reassurance in the dark days that lay ahead. They were required to be uniform in style and were to feature a special and handsome typeface, making them difficult for the enemy to counterfeit. They used the crown of King George VI as the only graphic device and had just two colours. Of the three final designs that went into production, the first poster carried the slogan, Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster had the words, Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. But the third design, of which over two and a half million posters were printed, simply read, Keep calm and carry on. The first two designs were distributed in September of 1939 and appeared up and down the country in shop windows and railway platforms. But the Keep Calm posters were held in reserve, intended for use only in times of crisis or invasion. In the end, the poster was never officially issued, and it remained unseen by the public, until a copy turned up more than 50 years later. It was found in a second-hand bookshop called Barter Books in the northeast corner of England. Barter Books was begun in 1991 by a couple, Stuart and Mary Manley. The building used to be an old Victorian railway station. Huge rows of stacked shelves now stand in the place where the tracks would have been, but the station's old tea rooms and waiting rooms are still there. It was in 2000 that Stuart found the poster in a box of dusty old books that had been bought at auction. Mary liked it so much she had it framed and put it up near the shop till, and it proved so popular with the customers that a year later they began to sell copies. Since that time, the poster has been reproduced, parodied and trivialised, and has become a truly iconic image of the 21st century. It is hard to say exactly why such a phrase from a bygone decade would have so much appeal and resonance now. Its design is considered simple and timeless, and now commonly recognisable. However, it is perhaps the words on the poster that people find most enchanting. Like a voice out of history, it offers a very simple, warm-hearted message to inspire confidence in others during difficult times is something that should never fade from fashion, to keep calm and carry on. Isn't that a cool story? <clears throat> you guys have seen those memes all around. I've seen a couple that says, Keep calm and let the executive pastor handle it. I've seen some of those. Uh, keep calm and let the youth pastor get fired first. I saw that one. But you guys have seen those all around, those memes that people are making. And I actually didn't know what the, the, original, the original part of it was until I Googled it this week and found it. And I thought, man, that's really cool. And Because and, I was trying to figure out a way to... By the way, my name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here in the garden. Before we get into it, you notice we started something new today with the name tags. We're trying to create a little bit more community. The garden leadership team wanted to create a little bit more opportunity for us to know who is who. And so that's why we're doing the name tags in the back. So thank you for participating in that. It's a help. Um, so today we're going to title the message, Keep Calm and Look Behind You. We're talking about the Great Commission. <clears throat> so before we get started in the main part of the, past of, of the uh, message, I want to make sure I define for you again really quick what the Great Commission was. Let me just read the passage to you. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Remember, one of them had died, Judas. 
The 11 disciples went to Galilee to a mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. They still doubted. Isn't that interesting? They saw him, but still doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So two things I want to point out for you in the passage is some doubted, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now remember, Jesus and the Gospel of Matthew left hundreds of clues along the way about what the end result of the work of Christ on earth would be. That the temple was no longer God's glory. Israel was no longer God's glory. The wished-for and hoped-for throne of Solomon to be reestablished was no longer God's glory. God's glory was love. God's glory was the Spirit of God dwelling, not in a building, but in the hearts of man on tablets of flesh. And the Great Commission is the culmination of that concept. And that's what I just read for you, the Great Commission. And the idea behind it is this. When Solomon was king, nations from all over the world would come to Solomon for wisdom and to learn about Jehovah. They would come to Jerusalem. And now what Jesus is saying is, leave Jerusalem and go to the world. It's reverse of how the throne and the temple was supposed to work. Before is everybody all over the world come to the temple, and now it's everybody leave the temple and go all over the world. There's another passage in Corinthians that kind of explains this. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. By the way, whenever he refers to the word letter in this, he's also referring to the law, Old Testament. Not on tablets of stone, there you have the law, right? Moses and the law. But on tablets of human hearts. You hear that imagery? Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, that covenant being the Great Commission, not of the letter of the, uh, not of the, letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And what he's saying there is, we're no longer ministers of the covenant of the law and temple worship, and what the Sanhedrin says, we are now ministers through the Spirit because the law brings death, but the Spirit brings life. And so you can see how superior that the Great Commission is to temple worship. It's going into the world, and it's far superior than have everybody coming from the world to one spot to see Solomon. Now God goes throughout the whole world through his Spirit Dwelling in his church. So that's make sure you understand what the Great Commission is. Now, let's have some time to really think about the Great Commission. Keep calm and look behind you. Why am I calling it that? I'm going to show you two pictures of me. The first one is me there, how I act around you in front of people as a pastor. 
Has it how I acted when I was a Bible college student, when I was in seminary, I mean seminary. <laughs> Later on as a pastor, I love the Great Commission. Oh, the Great Commission is great. I've got the gift of evangelism, go into all the world and teach all the nations about Jesus, baptizing them and get it done. And he's with me always. I'm fired up. The Great Commission, right? Yes. Thumbs up. That's how I am in front of you. And when I read the Great Commission by myself, this is really what I am. In reality, the Great Commission intimidates me. It scares me. It causes guilt and insecurity. And sometimes I would wonder, and maybe it's just me, I know it's not actually, is this church thing really worth my whole adult life? What if the resurrection is a ruse? What if it was just a scam? What if it's just some made-up historical fairy tale? And what if the Great Commission is sucking me into something that's not even real? And if it is real, how in the world am I supposed to fulfill it? Look at me. Am I the only one? Do you ever wonder, is the, is the resurrection true? And the Great Commission, am I really equipped to even begin to think about taking the gospel to all nations? And the reason I would feel this way very often is because I never really learned to look backwards at the Great Commission and to what it has accomplished and what it has become. I would only look forward from this point forward and how myopic of me, how arrogant of me to think, okay, here's the Great Commission, now what do I've got to do? How arrogant of me to think that the Great Commission starts with me. When in reality, the Great Commission created me. It produced me. It produced this building. It produced us as a congregation. In reality, the Great Commission is one of the most stark evidences and encouragements regarding the reality of the gospel and the reality of the truth of the resurrection of Christ. Let me explain this to you again. If you have a doubt about the resurrection, the Great Commission is one of the most undeniable proofs that the resurrection was 100% real. So normally, you guys know this about me. I come in here and I talk about how sinful and awful we are, right? Today, I want to encourage you. I know you're shocked by that. I got another picture to show you. It's my friend Mike. I talked with him on uh, Saturday. Mike King. Mike is taller than me, about 6'5". By the way, he's a great guy. I love this guy. He's awesome. I play basketball with him every Monday night. And I usually, because I kind of run the gym, somehow, some way, Mike ends up on my team. Don't know how it works out that way. Every once in a while, he's not on my team. But when he is, whenever I'm playing defense out front, I'm a little more aggressive going after taking chances. You know why? Because I know if I get beat, I got 6'5 Mike who can jump out of the gym to swat that stuff to the moon. So I'm a little more aggressive and I take chances. And so when I'm playing defense with Mike on my team, I'm a little less, I'm a little less stressed out. I'm calm because I just look behind me and say, oh, big Mike's back there. And I'm good. He sent me that selfie, by the way, and told me, wanted me to tell you guys peace. <laughs> Great guy. Do you want to follow the Great Commission with confidence? 
look behind you. Let's take a few minutes now and look at what the early church did with the Great Commission and what could have possibly motivated them to do this. These were men who left their homes and went to strange lands. Many times they overcame language barriers. And by the way, just so we understand, there's a lot of talk about there about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues was not some sort of strange spiritual trance given to us for inner peace or self-edification. Tongues was about God giving men the ability to preach the gospel in languages that were not their own. That's what tongues were. And so these men left their homes with no promise of anything except for what Jesus said about being able to be effective, and they would go to these lands where people will have no reason to embrace the gospel or the message of this Jew who was executed in Jerusalem, this Jewish prisoner named Jesus, who the Romans who ran the world decided it was better that he would be dead than alive. These men went to these strange lands and started churches. And then the early church had to survive a very bloody persecution at the hands of Nero. And people were so committed to the cause of the Great Commission and the cause of faith that they would give up their own lives for it. Compared, by the way, to many of those who are so committed to the cause of faith that they're willing to kill other people for it. It's a big difference. And then I want to go back to the very first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. You ready? Let's look at the example of the apostles. Look at some of the things they did. Peter was so outspoken about the gospel and the Great Commission that he was killed in Rome. James had his head chopped off in Jerusalem because of his preaching of the gospel. Andrew was crucified in Greece. Thomas was killed in India, of all places. Simon was killed in Persia. Matthew went all the way to Ethiopia just to preach the gospel and get killed. Jude was also killed. John the Baptist was exiled in Patmos. Jude was killed in Persia. Philip died in Heropolis. And then Paul was killed in Rome. So my question for you guys, if you think about it, just look at that list. These were the eyewitnesses to the resurrection. These were the eyewitnesses, except for Paul, who had an interaction with Jesus later. These were guys who were the eyewitnesses of the Great Commission. Do you follow what I'm saying here? They were the ones that actually heard it from the mouth of Jesus. And it had such a profound impact on them that it caused them to just forsake their whole life, their jobs, their financial security, their social well-being, the communities they grew up in, and go to countries that hated them to preach the gospel and ultimately give their lives. What was the source of their commitment to this great commission? Listen, they weren't in it for the power, and they weren't in it for the money. In fact, following the Great Commission cost them dearly in both those areas. They traveled to foreign countries that hated them and ultimately wanted to kill them. Do you really think they would have sacrificed 
all that they had and all that they would do for a fake story or some stunt. Their level of commitment and sacrifice is one of the best evidences of the legitimacy of the resurrection story. It was the fact that these men believed in the messages of Jesus and the fact of his resurrection. By the way, these are historical guys, and their deaths can be verified in not just the Scripture, but in other places, in other sources of historical record. And these men were so consumed by the reality of the gospel and the power of the resurrection, they said, you know what? My whole life, all the plans I had made, all the things that I thought I loved, all the things that I thought I wanted, all the things that I was passionate about, I care nothing about them anymore. All I care about is the message of the resurrection of my rabbi, Jesus. At the time that the Great Commission started, just think about this. Think back now. Who ran the world? Do you think anybody would have ever dreamed that the Great Commission would outlast the Roman Empire? The Great Commission left the Roman Empire in the dust. Did anybody think it would even outlast Nero? Or Caligula? Caligula. However you say those guys' names. They're dead, so it doesn't matter. But Jesus is alive, amen? How about the temple? Do you think people were surprised when Jesus and the movement of the Great Commission and the story of the resurrection outlasted a tangible temple? What about the scandal of the medieval popes? The Great Commission could not even be derailed by that, which I could make the argument was a greater weapon against the Great Commission than Nero himself. The enemy used the corruption of the papacy in the, mid in the medieval times to hurt the church more than anything else, and the Great Commission even left that in the dust. What about the Crusades? A short time where people took the message of the gospel and twisted it? It survived that. What about the corrupt medieval kings who tried to hijack Christianity? They're all dead. And the Great Commission and Jesus is still alive. What about bloody dictatorships like Stalin and Chairman Mao? How many times since then has Christianity been outlawed by powerful empires? And how many times has it thrived anyway? Yet for some reason, not only has the Great Commission survived, it thrived. Now let's look at the modern day impact of the Great Commission. Understand what I'm doing here? I'm skipping nearly 2,000 years of church history. I could be here for hours explaining to you all the things that have happened to show you the reality of the fact that there were people who starting with eyewitnesses who believed in the resurrection so much they were willing to do anything it took to make sure the message went through. Uh, Martin Luther, which by the way we celebrate Reformation Sunday today, Martin Luther and the 95 Thesis. Breaking away from the corruption of the Roman church. It goes on and on and on, right? But let's just stop now. If you're getting nervous, you ever get nervous about whether or not the resurrection is real and whether the Great Commission is even something you can attain? Let's look at the modern-day impact. 
skipping 2,000 years of Great Commission history. It's a movement that has its own life, its own power, its own momentum, and continues regardless of what year it is, who the Pope is, who the President is, who is at war with who, whether global warming is real or global warming is not, whether we have an economic collapse and a great recession and the banks are overlevered, none of that matters. Roe v. Wade, none of it matters. The Great Commission marches on, impacting all of us, impacting people for generations and generations to come. So we get to the point that right now there are two billion Great Commission affected people in the world today. Two billion. Rome is gone. Nero's dead. Caligula is rotting or has rotted. Not much left of him. Jesus is alive and so is the church. 99% of those who are Christians have never even been to Jerusalem. Probably don't even know anything about temple worship. And their reliance is not on anything but the message of Jesus and the gospel and the resurrection of Christ. This sort of movement does not last for thousands of years without credibility. And none of it is possible if not for the confidence of the eyewitnesses in the resurrection. Remember when we first read it? Even at the very beginning, we're talking about the Great Commission on the mountain where Jesus says, go to the mountain, and all the disciples are there, and some of them are worshiping, and they're still having trouble believing it because they see him, but no, it can't be him. They didn't have holograms back then. He wasn't an impersonator. Sometimes I look at some guys in Vegas, and I think Elvis has got to be alive, these guys. <laughs> this was not an impersonator. It was the risen Savior, and it was so real. Matter of fact, Thomas had to put his hands in the wounds. Yes, I believe it. And he needed that because God needed him to have the confidence to go and sacrifice everything. God's hand in the fulfillment of the Great Commission can give us, can give you, can give me tremendous confidence in the story of the resurrection of Jesus and the power of the gospel. I love this verse. I love this verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, evidence in other words, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know why we can have confidence Is the Great Commission intimidating? Yes. Do you feel inadequate? I know I do. Do you sometimes have that fear that maybe this whole Jesus thing is a total scam? Maybe you came in here thinking it is a scam. But the evidence overwhelmingly says you are wrong. And you know what else the evidence overwhelmingly says? When you doubt, it's 
silly. Our confidence to do the job, which is the Great Commission, is built upon two things. Number one is the crowd of highly committed people before us. Not just the eyewitnesses who went to all over the world to places they knew. They didn't even know what the food was like. I mean, can you imagine being a Jew and then having to eat curry the rest of your life? Goodness sakes. You can't have beef because they worship the cows. I mean, can you imagine the level of commitment and, the, and how con convinced that these 11 guys were? Oh, this resurrection, I've seen it. It's a great evidence of the fact. Do you think these guys would have done this for no money and no power if they hadn't seen the resurrected Jesus? By the way, guys who are historically verifiable, the second thing that our confidence is built upon is the promise that he'll be with us to the end of the age. That he, according to the verse we just read, that he will perfect our faith. You know, you guys have heard me preach about Ephesians 2 a lot. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. Even that faith is what? What is it? It's a gift, not by works or else you'd brag, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he prepared beforehand that we should walk into, stumble into. Even our job in fulfilling the Great Commission is the result of the work of Christ, who is the author, the beginner, and the perfecter of our faith. So when you think about the Great Commission, don't think about, from this point on, we've got so much work to do. Stop today. Stop, don't even think about it that way, and just keep calm and look behind you. Because we can definitely have peace if we look at what God has already done. Look at what he's accomplished. In spite of all the forces that were arrayed against the Great Commission, the Great Commission just pushes it off. It reminds me of, um, for those of you that are football fans, if you're not a football fan, just pretend like you are for a couple seconds. It reminds me of a running back I used to watch when I was a kid named Earl Campbell. This guy was a monster. They would just give him the ball and he would just run and people would grab hold of him, he'd just slop him off. Run people over, they get in his way, boom, they go flying. I mean, this guy was a monster. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about if you're a football fan. Earl Campbell, he played for the Houston Oilers. He was a monster. That's the Great Commission. Just keep calm. Look behind you. The Great Commission has run over empires. It's run over presidents. It's run over Congress. It's run over wars. It's run over laws. Keep calm and look behind you.